Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer, as always, is Lou Pellegrino. Uh, two segments this week, but I think you're really going to find it interesting. First up is James Andrew Miller, the best-selling author of books on ESPN, Saturday Night Live, and CAA, and someone who has chronicled ESPN for more than a decade now. We go pretty deep on the firing of Adnan Verk, and as you'll see from um, from Jim Miller's uh, passion and fire on this podcast, uh, you know, to say he to say that he believes this is a overpunishment would be uh, uh, quite the understatement. So we get into that, and I think you're going to find that really, really, really interesting. After that is Chad Finn of the Boston Globe and AJ Perez of USA Today. Both of those guys cover media. And we talk about the Super Bowl viewership, uh, 98.2 million linear television, super, super low. And we get into the reasons as to why we think that happened. And all, both of those guys also give their opinion on what went down with Adnan Verk. So Jim Miller for about 40 minutes or so, and followed by uh, Chad Finn and AJ Perez coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. <laughs> My guest this week is a familiar one. It is uh, best-selling author and writer James Andrew Miller. He is uh, the the uh, author of uh, many books that people are familiar with on this podcast. Well, the Oral History of Saturday Night Live, CAA, ESPN, of course, and he is the host of the Origins podcast. And there is a new Origins podcast next month. Check that out on Cadence Thirteen, Apple Podcast, etc. Jim Miller, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, so we're going to be we're going to do this entire entire podcast on Adnan Verk and ESPN's decision earlier this week, or I, I guess I should say ESPN's decision last week, as we're taping this, to fire Adnan Verk for what they termed as um, as leaking, as providing proprietary information to a reporter. Credit Andrew Marchand of the New York Post for first breaking the story of the firing and then getting the details of what happened. Um, check that story out. Uh, I think uh, fair to say, Jim and I will sort of expand on it, but the, the main facts in, in Andrew's story are certainly correct. But it, but it gives and brings up a lot, of, a lot of interesting places to go to, especially for a place that has made its bones and made its money and made its fame on sources providing information to them, and that is ESPN. All right, Jim, I want to start at the beginning, and that is, let's just sort of go generalize. What was your reaction to Adnan Verk being fired, and um, and how do you look at that situation? Well, it made me carsick, um, and I think, you know, the truth is that we all know that there are uh, every day, there are a lot of conversations that happen between employees of ESPN, executives, producers, talent, otherwise, on background with creatures like us. Um, yep. We also know that this is a guy who would work there for nine years. He bled ESPN. He's got four young boys. He's got a moral compass, despite the fact that some people now are saying otherwise. And here's the other thing too, which is how the fuck did that get leaked? So we're talking about a situation where somebody is fired, fired, not suspended, fired for right. talking on background, which basically is confirming something. And we'll get into that later. And then somebody 
from inside ESPN leaks it to the press. And so it's not even like this guy, this loyal employee doesn't even get the, get the, get the graceful exit of, you know, they, all of a sudden there was some irreconcilable differences or they've agreed to part ways or whatever. No, 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 no. Somebody inside has to, in the most pernicious, vituperative, amoral way, take this guy's professional career and put a bullet hole through it. And so I tweeted the other day, I said, can we find out, is there an internal investigation about who leaked it? I mean, there was an investigation about what Mr. Verk had said, but where's the investigation about who leaked it? I mean, look, Andrew's a good reporter and, you know, he was doing what he was supposed to do and it was newsworthy and he broke a story, but he wasn't in the room when Adnan got fired. Somebody from ESPN called him. Okay, that's the only way you find that out. And so I'm just, I think it's a, it's beyond ironic that we're not listening and we're not hearing about an investigation about who leaked it and who leaked it in a really destructive way. All right, so a couple, a couple things there. Uh, you know, I'm not going to source guess on Marshan sources. Um, logic would state that certainly there has to be an ESPN person somewhere in there at the same time. You know, there's there's a million people who could have found out. No, no, HR, no, 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 no. Fred's. I'm sorry. Wait, Richard. Go ahead. Richard, I don't think oh, there's a million people. Remember something. Not a, mil- not a million people. I, I'm overstating. What I'm saying is when you start source guessing, you know, you know this from someone who's had a lot of sources – you're not always correct. Uh, no, no, at I'm the just same saying time, that it's not a big pool. It's not that. The, the only point I'm trying to make is uh, there's 100%. not a lot of people that know on that Friday that, I mean, you know, maybe it's worth us doing a timeline here because there's not a lot of people that know on that Friday that he had just been fired. Agreed. All right. So let's, uh, you, I know that you have a, a timeline here, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll sort of eventually give my thoughts. On this, but the timeline, you know, so let's sort of take, take at least from what you know, and obviously, again, people, I certainly refer to people to, uh, to Andrew Marchand's story. Take us through your own timeline, Jim, of what you understand. And obviously, you have since talked to a lot of people at ESPN uh, about this. So let's just say that you're an ESPN employee for nine years. And on a Monday, a reporter calls you and says, and asks you a question about something. And you say, well, I think, um, I think it's, I think it's going to stay the same. I think, I think the show is going to be on once a week is from what I heard. And, uh, the reporter says, really, I thought there might be more. Uh, I I think, I think that, um, you know, it's going to be once a week anyway. On Tuesday, Major League Baseball and people at ESPN are, the next day, people are pissed that um, there's an article that says that the show's only going to be once a week. By the way, confirming that the status quo, in a sense, because the show had already been, it's not like breathtaking news, like it's being reduced. It had already been reduced. And right. And so that's on Tuesday. People are pissed and whatever. And on Wednesday, you're called in and they ask you for your phone. 
Now, this is the phone that you do all your business on. And yes, it's a company phone. Absolutely. I totally get it. But it's also the phone that it's the only phone you have. It's the phone that you have pictures of your family, pictures of your children, yada, yada, yada. And most importantly, like 90% of the people at ESPN, the phone is the vehicle for you know, um, making decisions and getting back to people, answering emails, confirming this, scheduling podcasts, whatever. So you say, you know what? I, 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 I can't do it. I, I, this is my phone. I got some personal stuff on there. And plus, I can't be without my phone. And then the next day, they call you and they say, hey, good news. Um, we got your replacement phone. So we need your other phone. Um, okay, so get a replacement phone. And on Friday at 1130 in the morning, via speakerphone, you're fired. You're fired and escorted out of the building. So there's no, there's no warning. There's no opportunity to say, look, this is what we found in the investigation. You know, why, why did you do this? And do you understand why this is a violation of company policy? And as a result, you know what, we're going to have to suspend you for two weeks or four weeks or whatever. Um, you know, uh, you're escorted out of the building. Nine years, four young boys, um, and then to like really add insult, then it's leaked. So you're, you're like you're you're just you're just sitting there, and your your professional life has come to this you know ridiculous grinding halt. And all of a sudden now, it's like the whole world knows you've been fired. I mean, what kind of so let's what let me play a couple sort of uh, does that, devil's I mean, advocate if that questions. Isn't a ruthless you. culture, uh, I don't know what is. And by the way, the other so, thing is, and then I'll shut up. But the other thing sure. is, as you and I have talked about many times during the year, during the years, and I had you know uh, so many examples, both in the book and since then for the notes for whatever comes next. But my only point is, one of the things that has been somewhat deleterious to ESPN's image through the years is that there is a real gray area and a lot of subjectivity and a lot of discomfort with the way that quote unquote justice is distributed throughout ESPN. Absolutely. And so all of a sudden somebody gets fired because they were having an affair, but wait a second, there's like 20 other affairs going on. Wait a second, somebody just said this about the president and somebody tweeted this about this. Oh, no, they're not gonna get suspended. Oh, wait, hold on, somebody else tweets one thing and they're suspended without pay. I mean, there, I, I, you know, there are literally hundreds of examples, including you know, a couple of the Bill Simmons gems that were bizarre in terms of how they decided to punish them completely out of the realm of objectivity in terms of compared to what other people had gotten. And it's just, it's just really strange. But in this case, there's some real personal destruction attached to it. And, um, go ahead. I I didn't mean, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So there's a couple things I want to ask you. First of all, you are absolutely correct in that. And I've said this before, the, only consistency when it comes to ESPN discipline is inconsistency. We, we've seen this now for a decade plus. By the you way, I love it, it when ESPN book. NFL reporters take Goodell, and often rightfully so, to the woodshed for the arbitrary punishments and the, you know, this, oh, but this one got this, and this one got this, and this one that got this. And it's like thinking, yeah, you. it's a good thing you're covering the NFL like that. But boy, oh boy, those of us who cover ESPN, we feel the same way. Well said. 
Uh, agreed on that. Okay, so let me sort of where, where should I start with this? Okay, how much from from what I understand, um, and maybe you have. Um, and again, let me preface by saying I, I, I like Adnan Verk. I think he's a quality guy, and so while the facts of this will remain, um, I think between Jim and I, um, as accurate as we can. I'm not going to lie to the audience. I, I, I tend to side with uh, people who are decent people. And obviously, in my position, um, there's a larger sort of issue in that everybody sort of provides background and information, et cetera. So you sort of know that. That said, Jim, one of the things that um, I think I, I feel comfortable saying is that um, the information, while it really I think if you look at it on face, it's pretty benign. I mean, we're not talking like, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't the Pentagon Papers. I mean, you know, it's pretty benign information, sort of what got put out there. And I think it, I think it's fair to say it caused a little bit of tension or problems between MLB and ESPN. I don't know for a fact that someone from MLB called ESPN, but I think that's a, I, I think that is a fair. Um, surmise or synopsis by me have you heard anything on that that at the high levels of espn that that information getting out there at least caused a little bit of a rankle for major league baseball which is obviously a rights holder partner with espn uh i have one two three okay so this is through four different sources um that mlb did not call espn and ask for him to be fired or suggest that he be fired um in fact um at least according to one person, there was no direct communication um, on that issue. But uh, it was clear that also on Tuesday after a report came out that MLB was not happy about the the fact that that, you know, that that information was out there. But again, beyond benign, I mean, it's and, and so I know what people say, well, that doesn't matter. He violated company policy, he violated company policy. Um, so it doesn't matter whether it's benign or the Pentagon Papers. But you know what? I don't think that's, I think you have to do contextually. I mean, look, we we both know and respect Jamel, but she tweeted what she did about the president and she wasn't even suspended. So I think Correct. that, you know, I mean, you know, again, just many, one of many different examples um, you know, where it's like, wait a second. But you could also take it not from a humanistic point of view, because a lot of times people say, well, you don't understand the business, per, uh, you know, priorities behind this and company, uh, you know, company initiatives and company policies. I'm going to say this, Disney shareholders should be pissed at this because Verk was a good ESPN employee. He was a valuable ESPN employee. It was good that they had him and Fox and other places didn't. He understands and loves the sport. He understands and loves the company. And more importantly, what this is doing from a de facto branding of the ESPN culture is incredibly harmful to ESPN. It is at some point there's going to be somebody who ESPN is talking to for an on-air assignment or maybe even a production job. And they're going to, in the back of their minds, they're going to say, you know what, no matter what I do, if I mess up one day, and, I, and I'm not really trying to mess up, and I'm not trying to screw somebody, I'm not leaking somebody's salary, I'm not leaking some private information, if I just literally am talking, and by the way, trying to say, listen, 
We love baseball tonight. It's just going to be on once a week, but we still love it. We're still committed to the show, whatever. No matter what, no matter the fact that I'm there nine years, no matter the fact that I have four young boys, if I have no children at all, whatever, this company is going to delete, hit the delete key on me, no matter what. That's the margin of error that this culture, that the ESPN culture has decided that they want to create. And that's a message to all the employees, okay? There is no margin for error, except that guess what? I don't know if you want to look at your phone right now about texts you have from people at ESPN or I could look at my phone. But you know what? <laughs> there isn't, that isn't really the case either because it's not the proverbial level playing field because everybody knows that there are people at ESPN on all different ranks in all different kinds of jobs who are talking on background every single fucking day. And you know what? To like literally... And, you know, it's like somebody said from PR, well, it, he, if you're going to talk to the press, it has to be in concert with the communications department. Are they smoking crack? Are they, seriously, that's a joke. That's a joke. I mean, because 90, per, I mean, I don't know, maybe 90% of my dealings with people, it's not in concert with the communications department. No offense against Chris LaPlaca and his dedicated army of, you know, 50 or 60 individuals. That's just, and Chris is going to be the first one to admit that because he knows the place is really big and it's unwieldy and you can't control that. And the question becomes whether or not people are going to get on the phone and talk about things that are incredibly difficult and detrimental to the organization or whether or not they're just trying to help us understand more about what is going on and help journalists get it right. You know, this isn't about like, oh, I just love leakers or something. It's not half the time it isn't, you know that, I mean, more than half the time. It's not about leaking like a big story that's going to get a headline. It's like giving some context, context and perspective to make sure that people like you and myself and others understand what's really going on. And those conversations are of immense importance. And quite frankly, ESPN should be glad that there are people out there who understand and are savvy enough to deal with the press and to understand that they need to provide some context and perspective on things so people like us don't write things that are wrong. I like this fired up Jim Miller. This is, ec this is excellent. Yeah, All right. So here's a couple of things. Um, here's a couple of thoughts from me. Uh, what, what, in my opinion, it's a massive overpunishment, overpunishment given what the the um four weeks you know, without the pay. just suspended for four right. weeks without pay so that so that's where i'm sort of heading i mean this this really feels like given verk is a dedicated employee absolutely a, one of the biggest flag waivers for espn beloved inside of espn considered a great colleague uh someone thoughtful someone uh who helps others particularly younger people if you want the optics of it your highest profile uh muslim sports anchor uh, in the country um, and someone very passionate about his uh, his religion and beliefs. This is a guy who's really adds a lot. He adds a lot to your company. So I'm with you. Suspension seems logical. Now, here's the sort of devil's advocate in the converse, and I want to get your take on this. If you read Marshan's piece, and I think since both of us have talk to people at ESPN, and they have certainly backgrounded reporters left and right on this, the idea is that beyond the infraction, it was the um, the initial not um, being, uh, one, truthful, and then two, cooperative with how they would term their investigation. So how do you read that in terms of, okay, maybe, 
maybe it would have been a different kind of punishment, but in this case, Adnan, in their opinion, was not um, was not forthcoming when the initial questions from wherever, from HR, from management came. Listen, I totally get it. I'm not condoning that at all. But let's, again, create some perspective, uh, some context at least, so I can argue the difference between suspension and firing. You talk to a reporter, and um, by the way, I'm not criticizing Ben Koo on this at all, but you try and give them um, some understanding of what you may know. And if that reporter then all of a sudden goes to um, management or the communications department right away and uh, asks a follow-up question or like say, does something based on that knowledge, um, it, it's all of a sudden a very small pool of where that information came from, and um, which makes it very difficult. Uh, and you're like, I would imagine, um, like a deer in headlights because all of a sudden you're thrust in the spotlight and the focus is on on you. And, you know, I think that, look, I'm, I'm not saying he should have lied. I'm not, it was stupid of him to use his company phone. It was stupid of him to, um, you know, to say anything but the truth at every single point. But again, this is where uh, judgment and empathy and, you know, culture should come in, which is you yep. realize that the guy who's never been in trouble for nine years is all of a sudden like sitting there and it's like, uh, you know, it's like dragnet, you know, all of a sudden give us your phone and where were you doing and who did, and boy, are we pit and all this. And it's like, you know what? Um, anybody who's not being sympathetic to him right now at this moment, um, maybe, you know, you want to put yourself in his shoes for a moment. And um, I think what happened, um, I can't speak for him, but I think what happened was he got scared shitless. He didn't want to give up his phone, particularly with personal pictures on it. But by the way, note to file, keep two phones, keep all your personal stuff on your own phone. And if you are going to talk to a report on background, of course, do it on your personal phone. But yada, 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 that was the situation he was in. And so he flipped out. But you know what? When they called him the next morning on Thursday and said, we got a replacement phone for you, you know what? There it was. Um, at least this is my understanding. I, I can't say that this is, you know, whatever. But my only point is, I think he rebounded nicely. And here's the other thing, too. Once again, I will tell you that we could produce, I could produce a, new, a number of stories within the ESPN ecosystem over the past years where people were contacted by HR or contacted by somebody else, a coordinating producer or an executive or something, and they said something, and it later turned out that they had to shove some toothpaste back in the tube and put a lot of spin on it and kind of basically change their narrative. So, you know, I'm sorry, but if you're management, you're just saying to yourself, you know what, that, yeah, he clearly, he clearly wasn't being forthcoming, so that's why, and by the way, the fact that he wasn't forthcoming is also a reason why I would say without pay, because let's face it, there's been a lot of suspensions. People hear the word suspension and they think with pay. There are at, in, in, you know, from Tony Kornheiser and Bill Simmons and many, many others, there are a lot of nuances to these punishments. And sometimes we think suspension is with pay, sometimes without, but the fact that he wasn't forthcoming from the beginning, I think is the reason why it should be without pay. Hmm. No, I, th I think that's fair. And by the way, the Max Bredo suspension, the worst of all, I, I would argue the, the, the worst uh, example of a suspension that should not have happened. Today, Jim, um, as we're taping this, 
Um, and I intentionally did this. This, this was sort of uh, very clearly to uh, ask a question into the uh, into the uh, into the ecosystem regarding Adnan Verk. I took a screenshot of ESPN's homepage, and at the moment there are three stories on that homepage in the sort of top headlines box, which are sources colon. Okay, so three of their biggest stories of the moment when I tweeted it uh, were sourced to ESPN reporters, and they published the story. So I, th- so I asked, it would be interesting to ask ESPN senior management if the sources talking to ESPN reporters here should be terminated. And I get that maybe all I, of this I is I tweeted a that the standard. other day, and the, the, yeah. uh, the responses so were the incredible. Larger, yeah, the larger point is that, like, it is— and this is where it's very, very frustrating for me. At an organization that has made its bones and made millions on people sourcing their top reporters, the Wojnarowski's, the Zach Lowe's, the Jeff Passons, you know, the Wickershans and Van Nattis. And a, should there and not a, be and, at and least a guy a, named Adam? Yeah, and, a, and Adam Schefter, right? Should there not be at least a little bit in the Jimmy Pitara ranks, you know, in the at the highest levels of the company? Should there not be at least a little bit of a step back and realize, okay, we don't like the fact that Adnan Burke gave this stuff up. We don't like the fact he's been talking to media reporters. But every single day, our company does this with high-profile sports people. And that's, I think, to me what was frustrating is that you would think the, an organization that does this every day would be an organization that would at least be a little either thoughtful or uh, overarching before they terminated this guy. Well, you're preaching to the choir. That's why I tweeted it the other day. I mean, truth is, uh, you know, the NBA, the NFL, they should start firing people who talk to these people on background because uh, they're violating company policy. I mean, that would be crazy. It's just ridiculous. Not gonna be an, the NBA is going to be the NBA is going to fold if that happens. Yeah. It's just it's it's ridiculous. The, huh. Part of the, the reason why the NBA became an eleventh month sport, which was you know a great triumph for it, is because they were able to be so relevant and so prominent in the offseason. And um, it's not just people interested in trades. They did a great job of, as a league of disseminating information, keeping interest up, and they did it with the help of reporters who, you know, many, many times. I mean, it's not like Adam Silver goes out and does a 9.30 on-the-record briefing every day. I mean, this is, Correct. you know, really sophisticated, good stuff. And um, so, listen, this is why... I mean, look, I know I'm climbing Everest on a cold day in my shorts, but I just, I really hope that issues like this and aspects of this ordeal are such that Jimmy Pitaro sits down, thinks about this in the light of day, because I do think there's the, sorry to use the cliche, but I think there was a unbelievable rush to judgment. And I think that he should... I think they should change it to, you know, look, I don't want to be head of HR and, and, and give the punishment, but I think a, 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 a whatever week or however long suspension without pay instead of firing. And I think that they can shove toothpaste back in the tube and I think they can make this better again. Because if they don't, and if they really want to stand by this firing, then they need to do two things. They literally need to announce an aggressive, transparent, internal investigation as to who leaked Adam's firing, Adnan's firing, and they also need then to come up with some sort of twisted, twisted take on why background conversations are no longer 
uh, are, are okay when ESPN is doing it with another organization, but it's not okay for ESPN employees to do it with other organizations. And they need then to literally say to all their talent and their executives, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Jim, do you, um, what percent, I mean, maybe not percentage, but I mean, how realistic is it for ESPN to, uh, and really we're talking about Jimmy Pitaro at the end of the day, how realistic would it be for Jimmy Pitaro a week later to be like, you know what, may have overcharged, we're going to, um, we're going to see if we can bring him back. I just wonder at this uh, point I with HR, it's, it's with not the only realistic, stuff, like, I think it's fantastic. What's, what could be better than somebody really upon the light of day with further reflection and really understanding a little bit more of it contextually saying, listen, we are adamant about our company policy. People should not violate our company policy and they better understand that. This is not us going easy on that, but what we are doing is we're trying to take, you know, the full understanding of all the facts and um, and our culture into account. And so in the light of day, we think we may have acted a little bit too precipitously and we are now going to change this. That that yeah. that is I mean, I'm being totally realistic because I think it's a great thing for an organization to do. Uh, and by the way, you probably have an employee there who probably would never leak again. I want to ask you regarding Pataro, uh, because you are someone who uh, knows him, has reported on him. You've written about Disney and you know Pataro's relationships with Bob Iger, et cetera. And again, I don't want to sort of play uh, you know X Files conspiracy here. That said, how much do you think this decision was made, not necessarily just with Adnan Burke in mind, but as a larger message to the entire company to say, if you do this, we're going to give you the death penalty. And so Adnan serving here as sort of a symbolic thing for Pataro and company to let people know, do not leak. Well, these things always play on two levels, right? Because you want to, you, you want to say, look, they did this. And so as a result, they deserve to, you know, this punishment, but you also want to send a signal to everyone else saying, listen, if you're even thinking about doing this, look what happens. But the whole point is though, that uh, so many other people are still doing it. And the literally the cure is worse than the disease. This guy screwed up, but, you know, firing is just way out of bounds. So I think that Jimmy has every right as president of ESPN to send a message to all of the employees to say that this, this kind of behavior is not going to be condoned and we will punish you. But at some there's that's the whole reason why it's not binary. That's the reason why there is a whole smorgasbord of ways in which they can deal with a matter like this. And by the way, it's a smorgasbord that has been used before. I mean, how many people were calling for this one to be fired after this happened and this one had to be fired? I mean, it's not like, you know, if you do one thing, everybody gets fired. Right? It's it's ridiculous. I mean, this is all bespoke and it has to be bespoke in this situation. Do you, um, from... Uh from the at least the last couple of days in terms of the people that you've talked to at ESPN and and those who I'm sure have reached out to you after they saw the uh, the Verk news, you think there's going to be any kind of chilling of ESPN, ESPNers talking? I, I can tell you based on my anecdotal <laughs> over the last couple of days, no chance in are hell you, are you to s- quote Vince McMahon, <laughs> but, but I am curious on your end. <laughs> are you kidding? No. <laughs> I guess. In, right. in a word, right. no. In fact, 
in the two days afterwards, just the opposite. Because more people were calling to say, listen, I'm backgrounder, off the record. This is totally fucked. I mean, no, 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 no. So do you, so do you, can you appreciate the irony of if you were trying to chill leaking, you've, you've, you've not accomplished that at all? Um, this is like that old saying, bad food and small portions. <laughs> I mean, there's just, this is, this is ironic, paradoxical, you name it. But, um, you know, I think that, look, if they hadn't leaked that he was fired, if they just suspended him and, you know, suspended him without pay, it is just in the normal course of a big company with, you know, over 5,000 employees, um, you know, shit happens and people misbehave and things like this happen and then you deal with it. But this one hit the third rail because it is so pernicious. It is so drastic. And you know what? It's so destructive to a really good person's uh, career and their family. All right. So let's take, um, let's take your sort of temperature here of what potentially could be next for Adnan if ESPN doesn't bring him back. If you're his CAA representatives, um, I mean, to me, what you do is you're obviously transparent with whatever potential employer is interested in looking to talk to you. But how would you approach it? Um, you know, how would you approach it with the Foxes, with the Zones, with MLB Network, with, again, if he doesn't come back to ESPN, whoever might be interested in, uh, in Burke? I would say two things. One is, first of all, the work speaks for itself because it is a good body of work. He's a solid solid piece of talent. And for nine years, he's been a loyal employee. And then I think the second thing is, listen, let's have a face-to-face meeting. And you have a face-to-face meeting and you see on this guy's face, his regret, his commitment to being, you know, a more than model employee for the next 50 years. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, you know what? I'm not going to have any problems with this guy because he's learned his lesson. Um, But the work, you know, I think CEA needs to just remind people that the work speaks for itself and that um, he's learned his lesson and um, and then just, I mean, I, I would hope that there would be people, if ESPN doesn't reverse itself, and again, call me naive, I'm still trying to somehow hope that um, rational fairness prevails. By the way, they should, they should reverse the firing just because they leaked it. I swear to God, as, as silly as that might sound, yeah. the fact that they leaked that he was fired and really, really damaged his career, I think they should reverse it to a suspension even just based on that because that is so that was so screwed up. But um, I, I, I really think that I, I hope that there will be other places for him. And by the way, I should have said this. I'm a lousy journalist because I bury the lead. I, I'm not friends with this guy. I, I've never had a meal with him. I, I mean, this is just about, this is just literally about humanity. This is about what kind of culture this place should have. This is about, you know, making sure that the, the real problem is the ruthless son of a bitch who leaked this firing. That's the real problem. That's the real problem at the company right now. And that's the one thing that we're not hearing about. And for transparency's sake, um, I don't socialize with Adnan Verk. Uh, he has done my podcast, as people know, many times. Um, and I like him very much. He's just, he's an affable guy. He's a, he's a great guy to talk to. Um, and again, if I'm going to be transparent, my my inclination would be to sort of, you know, su- support him here. Not necessarily um, supporting the act per se, but supporting a fair and just punishment 
for what is, I think, uh, a pretty benign thing that happens every single day at I ESPN. Think- by, by the way, including some of the people who were probably the punishment uh, makers in this instance. Yes, I think that, that there's a fair chance <laughs> that that's true. Um, yes. But uh, look, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I do think as a headline on this, you can make a case on personal terms because he's been so loyal and because he's got, you know, this fam- young family and because he's got such... But I think you can make a case, like I said, on corporate terms because this, this is not good for the company. Last one for me, and it's a very tough one. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure I have the answer myself. Uh, if if the reporting is correct, and Andrew Marshan's reporting is correct, and that it is indeed um, awful, the story that this sort of is all about is the awful announcing piece that Ben Koo wrote. Uh, and I don't know if you know Ben, but I like Ben very much. Good guy. Um, do you think awful? Is there anything awful announcing? can or should do here i mean jim as a general rule in journalism you never admit who your sources are you don't write about your sources left right or indifferent in this case um is there anything you think they do either you know i guess if verk is indeed the source and verk says you can write about this and sort of everything that took place i guess you you know once your source gives up um uh sort of that anonymity you can go but otherwise i'm not sure if you're awful announcing you just you, you don't do anything except just read all this stuff and watch it play around, play out around you. I I don't know Ben Koo, but I I know I, I think I've spoken to him a couple of times, and I know him to be somebody who really, you know, cares about his work and works his ass off and tries to do a, a really good job of reporting on, you know, on ESPN and other places. So I don't think that um, I certainly wouldn't advocate um, him or awful announcing. Um, doing any kind of uh, mea culpa yeah, in terms of we, you know, this was our source and we did, they, that's absolutely, you know, I, I don't think that's necessary at all. I w- in fact, I would hope that they wouldn't do that, um, you know, so. And by the way, same with Andrew. I mean, he shouldn't as, as much. No, he was, Martian is never, Martian is never going to give that up on that side, nor should he. No, nor, nor I mean, should listen, he. I, nor, nor, nor were any of us. I mean, you know, you. Right. Um, you did that's sort of just it's sacrosanct you don't you you know you go to the wall on that you don't give that up um it is just an interesting journalistic place to be when um you know people are writing about a story that you did and you can't say anything but in in Ku's case he should not say anything should not never confirm um or deny or well or not deny but you should never confirm anything um on that is there anything else jim that you want to uh, discuss about this. You've been you've 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 been very passionate today, and I appreciate that. I'm sure you will hear from certainly the ESPN PR department about this podcast. But um, I, I like you. I, I think we, me and you, are in are in agreement here. It's uh, it's an overcharge for sure. And I think I'm a little less naive than you. I I don't see ESPN bringing him back. I think it would be a first of all, interestingly enough, PR wise, I think it would be a great piece of PR. But I don't think they're gonna. Do, I don't see them doing it. I th- I see them cutting bait, and then I see them, you know, maybe quietly settling eventually for less money than what Adnan is owed over the next uh, uh, year plus. Uh, I would only. Say, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think so. I don't I, think I, I will be. I, I would say my only comment would be that if I was sitting here with Jimmy right now, I would say there is nothing wrong with reconsidering a position. And totally. It's not because it's a good PR move, and it's not because. Um, maybe you feel sorry because somebody has four boys, although 
I mention that only because, you know, it's a family. They, they, so many times ESPN talks about, you know, how much they Correct. care about they, this. Correct. They, they put it, they put it in the ether that we're a family and that we want our employees to feel like family. Well, here's a real guy who has four young kids. That's a family. Right. And I, um, and somebody uh, told me that they, well, it doesn't matter. My only point is that I think that reconsidering a position like this shows strength and it shows moral clarity and it shows um, the idea that sometimes decisions maybe get made too quickly. And so um, I, you know, I would, I would urge, I would urge Jimmy to do that. And I would also urge him to really, really find out who leaked that. All right, Jim, is there anything else you want to talk about? You want to talk about That's the it. Fry Festival documentary or the uh, Sixers trade that happened yesterday? Or we're, we're good on the top. Well, the Sixers got a solid four for the, for the next couple of years. They're actually... Uh, I know, I like that. You, you I, as, a, as, someone who, as someone who wants the Raptors to do well, I do think that, um, that I'm sorry I'm an Eagles fan, but I do think that the Super Bowl was uh, um, a bit disappointing. So I think we get to keep the title for another year. Sorry, Pats fans, but you know. I think that's <laughs> By the way, fun. how did you? Uh, I know you're an Eagles fan, but how did that come about? Are you? Are you? I know you live in Pennsylvania, but have you? Did you? Did you grow up there? Yep. What, what's the Eagles connection? Yep. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. So do you go back to? Uh, you go back to the Jaworski era Eagles, or is your fandom more current? Um. It's consistent, yes. Jaws was around, ah. yes. Absolutely. All right. Early and often. All right. Well, there you, there you go. All right. Jim Miller is the uh, best-selling author of uh, multiple books, as you know. He's also the host of the Origins podcast. Uh, there'll be a new one coming out next month. These are all very top secret. He doesn't like to give up whatever the topic is, so you have to check that out uh, next month. And um, and I always appreciate his time, um, particularly on this one, because I uh, um, there's very few people I think who could provide really interesting um, top down as well as bottom up insight on this Adnan Verk situation, and we'll certainly wish the be- the best for Adnan Verk. We'll see we'll see how that goes. Uh, Jim Miller, thank you very much today for coming on the Sports Media Podcast. I appreciate it, and uh, I know we will talk soon. Thanks for having me, Artie. All right, my thanks to uh, Jim Miller for a really interesting conversation about Adnan Verk. And now we bring in Chad Finn, the sports media reporter and writer and columnist for the Boston Globe, and A.J. Perez, a staff writer for USA Today, as well as an investigative reporter. Both of these guys have been on this podcast before. Chad and A.J., welcome back to the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. All right, Chad, I'm going to start with you. Um, The... Viewership number for CBS of the Super Bowl was was pretty stunningly low. There's no sort of no way around it. Ninety eight point two million in terms of the television only broadcast. It goes up over a hundred million when you add in the streaming and uh, and some other stuff. What did you make of this viewership number, Chad? What were your? I don't know if you have any sort of ideas as to why it happened, but it's a very big drop. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, uh, Douglas Pucci had a bunch of us uh, media type, media writer types have uh, take a stab at what we thought the number was going to be. And I, I actually didn't get a number into him, but I would have gone a lot higher than this. I would have thought, uh, you know, maybe down a little bit, but maybe in that 105 million range. Um, I, I, I think part of it probably... Yeah, there are a lot of elements to it. Part of it is Patriots fatigue, uh, you know, ninth trip there in the Brady-Belichick era. Um, part of it is the fact that 
the Rams don't as big a market as there, and they don't have much of a fan base reestablished yet. I was in um, Atlanta, and I think it came across this way on television, but it was even more striking in person how much of a pro Patriots crowd that was. It was. 70 to 30 percent maybe i mean it sounded like uh, a home game for the patriots and that was polar opposite of what it was last year for the eagles so um you know i don't think the rams were much of a television attractive as high uh, attraction as high octane as their offense was and then the game was a slog early so you didn't get that usual buildup of the ratings as the game went on uh, when you're you know, anticipating a great ending like you got last year so i i think it was a lot of different factors but um, even adding all of those together, I was surprised that the number was down as much as it was. AJ? Yeah, I was. I actually thought even before the game, um, I actually probably thought closer to the first, second quarter, I'm like, if they break $100 million, and if they had to work to get there, I'm not saying that, you know, the obviously the broadcast, the, that, that rating um, and that viewership, it was nine, you know, under $100 million. They, 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 they had to come up with, which they always say record streaming. Well, it's always record streaming. It's yeah. 2019. It's going to be better than 2018. It's going to be better than 2017. It's going to be a record for the next several years. So I thought, I thought it was going to be a struggle for them because it was not a good game. The halftime show wasn't compelling. Um, but they, they did with the broadband numbers, they did, they, they did eke over a, a 100 million, 100 million viewers. So I think that I was, uh, you know, I was shocked. They actually got, it, it was actually that high. Interesting. All right, so Chad, uh, I'll stick with you, but I'll just give you my my quick thoughts because uh, I do want to ask you about Patriots fatigue because I think it, that's I think that's a misnomer. To me, this was about obviously the game was not a good game, and I think a lot of people bailed out. And more importantly, there was no word of mouth on it, so I don't think a lot of people came to it. But you you hit on one big one, and that's the LA market does not deliver the um, kind of numbers that you really would expect from the number two media market in the country. Uh, St. Louis did not watch this game because of obviously their correct feelings <laughs> towards Rams management and Rams ownership. And then New Orleans, this is the stunner to me. Um, lowest mar- rated market of the top 56 markets and lost half their viewership from last year. The weather wasn't too bad uh, across the country compared to the week before. So uh, to me, you factor all that stuff and you get it. And again, I'm, you know, it's interesting that you say Patriots fatigue, given that you're in Boston. The reason why I don't buy that is, um, one, I think dynasties always sell. And two, if you look at the past Patriot Super Bowls, generally speaking, they've always done well. I know there's team people that don't like them, but they're always compelling. So am I, I don't know, you're, you're in the heart of it. Am I, you think I'm maybe underselling or undervaluing Patriots fatigue? Well, I think it is a factor to the, in the degree that it, what was the most exciting game of the NFL season? It was probably the Rams Chiefs regular season game, whatever week that was. Um, right. The, you know the, the shootout, and at that point, Jared Goff was drawing the same kind of raves that the, the eventual MVP Patrick Mahomes got. And I think people over the course of November, December, and into the playoffs are sort of hoping for that as a rematch. I don't know if that would have drawn better. But I, I think the Chiefs were probably a more appealing option nationally than the Patriots are. I know that the, the Patriots are a, a nice villain and a very familiar one for the rest of the country. But there's someone up here who, uh, you know, saw Derek Jeter and the Yankees win five rings uh, through the mid, mid-90s and late-90s. I, I was pretty tired of seeing them after a while. I know Fox wasn't. Joe Buck and Tim McCarver certainly weren't. But uh, it it it's... It, felt like uh, all right let's get some new blood in there and that that didn't 
didn't encourage me to tune into the World Series any more than I would have just because they were participating in it. I, I don't know, though. I mean, I, I can really see it either way with the, with the Patriots. You, you, you hate them, you hate watch them, or, uh, you know, you don't watch because you're sick of seeing them. It probably all evens out in that regard in the end. But uh, I don't know. It should have been a compelling matchup, I thought. Um, you know, the, 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 the Rams, uh, you get the McVay-Belichick thing and, you know, Goff, Brady, Young versus Old and, the Rams are one of the most fun teams in the league this year, and yet, for whatever reason, it uh, it did not resonate nationally. And uh, I I thought it should have. I was surprised that it was, um, you know, ended up being such an ugly number for CBS. Yeah, but first of all, your point is great on the, on Fox. They would they would have the Yankees in the World Series every year, and I I just find <laughs> the Patriots compelling. Um, I I think I find dynasties and greatness interesting. So maybe maybe I'm in the minority there. AJ, I want to ask you about Tony Romo. And, oh, first, um, let, want, let, let me give you my theory. Really go ahead. Quick. Yeah, I yeah, please. I, um, please. So, uh, when the when when the Saints didn't get that call and they um, and they they lost to the Rams in the in the title game, there, every the the fix is in, the fix is in. I'm like, if you think the NFL <laughs> would rather have the Rams than the Saints, you know, and we saw how bad right. the TD numbers no were kidding. for the Rams. There was yeah. like there was no chance that they would, you know, if you're talking about dollars, you know. Ad, ad revenue and how much the network can charge for next year for the Super Bowl ads and everything else, you know, they would, they would, they wanted the Saints. The Saints were to be the much bigger draw. So, um, that's yeah, Bra- and Bra- Brady Breeze, too. I mean, that, that's Brady a marketing Breeze. dream. Yeah. Um, so, AJ, one of the things that was really striking to me, this is the first time I've seen this in my lifetime. Maybe it happened in Madden's first Super Bowl. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't remember. But Tony Romo became a significant pre Super Bowl storyline. And that's the first time I've ever can ever remember a broadcaster being a significant pregame storyline, and rightly so, given obviously how many people watch the AFC Championship and his performance there. Um, what did you What did you make of not necessarily Romo's game performance because that's been talked about a lot, but just sort of where Romo stands now in terms of the sports media and broadcasting? I mean, there's an argument to be made, and probably not even a particularly hard one to make, that Tony Romo is the most famous sports broadcaster now on the planet. Yeah, you're right. And I know you uh, you were talked to him one-on-one a few weeks before the game. Um, and yeah, he, asked, he, he said he had inquiries about playing again. I, I'm, I'm surprised there's not going to, maybe not this year, but maybe, maybe next year. There, there's inquiries about him to coach. He's still, you know, it's the... The Super Bowl game was such a weird game. It was kind of boring. It was he, he didn't do all those predictions, but what he did in the uh, AFC title game was amazing. What he's done all season, I've never seen an athlete transition before, and I think that's. I think it's going to settle in. It's not not going to be as big of a thing going forward, but um, it's it's still amazing what he's done and how well he fits in with Nance's good buddy there. Um, and uh, it's, they're a great broadcast crew, and they're easily the best we have right now. All right, two more, AJ. I'm going to start with you. Um, I want to ask you both about the Alliance of American Football, which debuts, um, as we're taping this in a couple days, debuts February 9th on CBS. AJ, I'm struck by the fact that this new league has really gotten a lot of uh, uh, media rights deals and television coverage. We're going to see it on CBS, including the final, uh, the championship game, whatever they call it. They have a deal with Turner. They have a deal with Bleacher Report Live. They have, I think, two games a week, if I'm right, about the NFL Network. Um, I have to be honest, that's more kind of known carriers covering this league than I expected. And again, they're not going to, you know, let's relax. No one's expecting NFL numbers or even close. But I do think they're now a pretty interesting 
story to watch, given that they have legitimate, you know, mainstream old school broadcasting networks that are that are airing these games. Yeah, we don't know the I guess the the, uh, the inside numbers for all you know what the networks could be a you know it could be a timeshare thing. They could be getting some right. money out of it, everything. But it's a credit to uh, Charlie well, Charlie you know uh, and Bill Polian. Get, yeah, get, get getting this going. You got two big names in there. You're not competing with the NFL. You're one of the first ones to launch um, before the XFL and some of the others. So I think that's that that plays in their favor. Chad, would you like to give me your scouting report on the San Diego Fleet and the Orlando Apollos? No, I, 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 it, <laughs> yeah, I, not that I can either. But Chad, I, I mean, I I think this is interesting, just in that, like they, again, they AJ makes a good point. I don't know what the particulars are. I don't know if it's a, if it's a sort of a rev share or whatever it is, but they got pretty good. I think they did a really good job. I imagine McMahon's league will get the sort of a good job too. But it does. I don't know, man. It's interesting. It does sort of tell you that they're. The, the media forces believe that there is a, um, how do I say this, that there's a demand for spring football, you know, that the people will watch football in February, March, April. Yeah, I think they all read Jeff Perlman's book about the USFL and realized it would have worked <laughs> if Donald Trump had screwed the whole thing up. That, uh, yeah, yeah there, there's always been room for that. Um, as long as expectations are realistic, uh, you know, what happened with the USFL back in the 80s is they started throwing millions of dollars, specifically Trump with his New Jersey team, at college stars, and the, the, the backbone of the league couldn't support that yet. So they just didn't have the financial wherewithal to be able to do that. And then, of course, he pushed to go head-to-head with the NFL because he was wanted to be an NFL owner. But um, if they're realistic about this uh, and, and don't go crazy with salaries and uh, don't try to sign every, uh, you know, college star to three years early, you know, the Clemson quarterback, uh, you know, three years before he can go to the NFL or anything like that, uh, they can hang around for a while. They just need to be realistic about what the ratings are. Uh, they need to recognize that uh, the football quality probably isn't going to be that high at the beginning. The real issue with the XFL wasn't, you know, that it was processed cheese as a product. It was that they had no quarterbacks. And, and when they did have quarterbacks, they, they would get injured diving for the ball to start the game. So, um, they, the talent level is going to be an issue, even if there are recognizable names attached. But we know how football draws, and if they if they have a fairly modest number in mind, this goes for any of these leagues, uh, they can succeed. They just need to be uh, responsible through the whole process rather than getting ahead of themselves. All right, final one for you guys, and I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, Jim Miller and I just did 40 minutes on Adnan Verk, uh, covered a lot of stuff. Miller was... Uh, probably as passionate and fired up as I've seen on a topic. Um, and one of his theses was that he thinks ESPN should bring Virk back and sort of recognize that this was an over punishment. I'll start with you, AJ, because uh, you've done some reporting on this uh, and you have probably been part of ESPN backgrounding you on this story, as well as reaching out to people on the Virk side. Um, as yeah. we tape this today, Wednesday, February 6th, what is your overview of what happened? Yeah, I don't know. I say they make an example out of him because you know it, it was. I think it was the way he did it, and I was you, you uh, reported on it. Um, I did some reporting. There's been um, others uh, as well on this. Uh, oh, I, and, and Andrew Marchand as well. He's yeah, he broke the story for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, so where it was, it, it wasn't just leaking the information. It was that he called back and got more information than leaked that too. I think that was what kind of drove ESPN nuts. And I think if it was just a pure leak, if there is. You know, and and these these investigations have been pretty 
frequent over the years, but they can never nail it down to more than four or five people. It was the fact that he basically was the only source that could have been really because he had the, he, he basically had a call back for this information. And it wasn't like you're in a meeting with 15 people who told 15 more people who told, you know, and it goes from there. It, 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 it was pretty easy to identify. I think that was, that was why um, it, it was so quick and it was pretty, pretty a harsh uh, penalty there. Chad, do you want to, um, do you want to um, offer any thoughts on uh, Adnan Burke being fired by ESPN? Yeah, I was shocked by it. I mean, it's, uh, even with the degree of what the and, and the annoyance of uh, the details in the leak uh, to ESPN management, it, it it still was shocking to see them let uh, somebody who's really well regarded there, very good at his job, and uh, someone who seemed very popular with his, um, you know, with his colleagues, let him go uh, just so so bluntly, so quickly, like they did. Uh, Clearly, there's a message being sent that uh, uh, people who are sources in the Jimmy Pitaro era are no longer going to be sources. But uh, to see it done in sort of that uh, Tony Soprano type of way that they they executed it was uh, surprising. I do hope they bring him back. Um, You know, he should have been more cooperative, it sounds like. But uh, uh, he's someone who's a real asset to ESPN. And and, uh, to to get rid of a guy like that just to send a message that leaks are going to stop in this uh, this era here uh, I think was a little bit of an overreach on their part. Yeah, and I think uh, you'll agree with Miller and I, the idea that leaks are going to stop at uh, ESPN is uh, <laughs> quite a, a, a comical uh, a, a thought process there. That's, that's not going to be the case. Uh, Chad Finn is the sports media writer and columnist for the Boston Globe. AJ Perez is a staff writer an investigative reporter for USA Today. Check both those guys out on Twitter as well as their work. Uh, Chad and AJ, thanks for coming on really quickly today, and uh, uh, I'll bring you back. Uh, I'll bring you guys back on, I'm sure, over the next couple of weeks and months. Uh, thanks so much for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Thanks, Rich. Good to be here. Thanks, Rich. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to uh, Jim Miller for uh, really you know, passionate, fiery, interesting stuff on the Adnan Verk firing. My thanks to Chad Finn and A.J. Perez for jumping on about the Super Bowl viewership and to get their quick thoughts on Adnan Burke as well. Um, if you like this kind of um, if you like this kind of conversation, uh, and I should mention, by the way, uh, Jimmy Train and Andrew Marshan did a podcast on the Sports Illustrated Media podcast. It was really interesting as well. I, I certainly recommend you check that out uh, in addition to this one or if you've just listened to this one. Um, if you like this kind of conversation, uh, please uh, leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, previous guests to this one, Kevin Harlan and the Super Bowl director, Mike Arnold, discussing their craft. I uh, got a lot of great feedback on that, particularly Kevin Harlan just being so descriptive about the differences of calling football on the radio versus the NFL. Prior to that, Laura Rutledge and Kevin Clark of Grantland, uh, Chelsea Janes, Bruce Feldman, you can go down the list, Tom Verducci, Rebecca Lobo, Kirk Minahan, Kate Abdow, Rachel Nichols, Jamel Hill, Renee Young, Adam Schefter, etc., etc. If you like this kind of stuff, uh, again, please uh, head to the Sports Media with Richard Deitch uh, page on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, leave us a review and a rating. My thanks to Lou Pellegrino, as always, for producing this podcast. Thank you to Cadence 13. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast. <laughs>